This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, another 20 in 20 with the 20 goal man from the Buffalo Bandits, Chris Cloutier. Don't call him Cloutier or Cloutier or Cloutier or anything else but Cloutier. He scored one of the biggest goals in UNC history and he's found a home in Buffalo. All that and more on OTCB. What is good, lacrosse fans, and welcome back. Another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on Lacrosse Flash, SoundCloud, NLL Radio, iTunes, Mars Freeband Radio. Thanks for stopping by. My name's Teddy Jenner, as always. Haven't changed it since I was born. Although, true story. I was such a big Theo Fleury fan when I was younger, even though he was on the Flames, that I petitioned my parents to allow me to go change my name to Theo. Didn't happen. Super glad Theo Fleury's still a great dude. However, I don't think I'd want to be Theo Jenner, even though somebody loves to call me Theo. No names. However... If you would like to get a hold of me, Teddy Jenner, at the show, you can email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at off the crossbar, E on the end of cross, lacrosse show, lacrosse pun, let's have some fun. Chris Cloutier is on the show this week. He has 20 goals or had 20 goals in the shortened season for the Buffalo Bandits, his first full season in Banditland, if you remember, he was... Drafted by the Philadelphia Wings, second overall in 2018. One spot behind his good buddy Austin Stotts. Played junior together up in Six Nations. But things didn't work out so hot in Philadelphia for Chris Cloutier. After coming off a remarkable end to his college career that included a national championship in his sophomore season with the Tar Heels, He came in coming off some injuries, and I don't think he was fully prepared for NLL life. And in the end, the fit just wasn't there between him and the wings. GM head coach Paul Day trying to finagle a deal that worked out for both teams. They end up shipping Kluche off to Buffalo for Ryan Wagner in a first-round pick. And I think that deal has worked out for both parties wonderfully well. Because as soon as Cloutier arrived in Buffalo, he became a different player. He realized what it took to be an NLL player. And he got to be around some guys that would hold him accountable and keep him motivated to become the best player that he could be. We'll get to that interview momentarily. There are some other lacrosse things kind of floating around the Twitterverse. Uh, On Wednesday, the PLL announced that they are tentatively planning a return to lacrosse in the summertime. Starting two days after my 41st birthday, July 25th will be the debut of the hopeful PLL Championship Series, 16 days, 20 games, 
a fully quarantined and fanless tournament. This is how they are drawing it up. Now, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to slowly bring sports back to our lives, even if it is still two and a half months away. Obviously, there are probably could and might well still be some issues for travel at that point in time. So you may not see some Canadians playing in that, depending on if the borders are fully open, if traveling to play professional lacrosse is deemed essential. So that could hurt some of the Canadians' potential in playing in these championship series. But that is sort of the first glimmer of hope for the lacrosse world that we could see some sort of action before we get to 2021. I'm sure we were going to, but at least before the fall, when a lot of people kind of thought we would see something. So that's sort of the first... Glimmer of hope, a little bit of silver lining. Uh, The Canadian Lacrosse Association is having meetings uh, in a few weeks. That will kind of give us a fully cleared example or idea of what they plan to do with all of their championships. It's pretty much safe to say that minor lacrosse in Canada is not going to happen this summer. Everybody's hopes are for uh, junior ball and senior ball to maybe have something happen Maybe some sort of championships later on in the year. We're still trying to figure out uh, for you know provincial teams if they're going to have national championships. But again, all of that will come down to travel advisories and warnings being lifted. Out here in BC, the Premier has announced we're going to slowly start allowing people to get back to a little bit of normalcy. Um, some places of employment are going to start to open up. Uh, They're going to start to relax some of the lockdown rules, even though BC, I think, was the only province not to go full lockdown. They're going to start to allow people to get back to some day-to-day living. I just don't know how close we are to allowing players to be sitting side-by-side on a bench, sweating, sharing water bottles, all that stuff, traveling on buses and ferries and in cars together. All that is going to take some time to get to. But at least we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, at least a little bit of light. And that's always a good sign because having no hope is the worst, isn't it? When there's no clear end goal of this, you just kind of are in purgatory. But now we've got a little bit of something to look for, and that's... What I continue to preach here on the show is let's just keep hope that something is going to happen. Golf courses are open. I'm barbecuing. The sun is out. It's a great day here on the island. I hope you are having a wonderful day wherever you are listening. So, Chris Cloutier. Kitchener, Ontario. He's worn the number five for UNC. We'll talk about what that means to him. We'll talk about life in Kitchener, who he grew up with, a Bombberry or two, and what guys he looked up to when he was growing up in Kitchener, because Kitchener may not be known as a true lacrosse hotbed, but it has produced some very talented players. 
So sit back, relax, get yourself a nice cold beverage, and enjoy my one-on-one with the current Buffalo Bandit, former Tar Heel, former Outlaw, and also current PLL Atlas member. He is Chris Cluche, and this is 20 and 20. Kelly, now to Cludio. Kelly's going to step into it. No. Skip past to Cludio. It's over. With the ball. Field wide over to Cluche. He'll power that big frame right in on Whitney with a shot. He scores! Welcome back, Inspector Cluche. Joined now by Chris Cluche of the Buffalo Bandits. Cluche, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Can't complain. Trying to stay sane in these uh, boring times, but do my best. Yeah, they are boring times. Let's get one thing quickly out of the way. Pronounce your last name for me and how you would like everybody else to pronounce it. <laughs> um, it's pronounced Cloutier. Yeah. And how many different ways have people pronounced your last name over the course of your life? Um, a million different ways, <laughs> but uh, I get a Cloutier a lot. Yeah. Or uh, I get a Cloutier a lot. Cloutier, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we're, we're going with Cluche. That's what it is. That's what it'll always be. But when you scored that goal against UNC, did it kind of suck that he didn't pronounce your name right? Uh, yes and no. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's more about the, uh, the, the championship yeah. that, you know, the team got. So, you know, it's not just about my name. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's written, it's written down on paper the proper way. So, yeah. you know. If well, people want, want to say it however they want to say it, it's not going to yeah. offend me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll get to 20 and 20 in a minute, but uh, you're back home in Kitchener. Uh, that's your hometown, but you were living down in Buffalo with a bunch of the boys. You were, as you were telling me, you're on your way to Pootie Canada for Pootie Canada for the bye weekend, but you got stuck at home because the borders are closing. How are you keeping busy? Yeah, um, you know, I'm just uh, right now I'm actually staying at my girlfriend's house in Kitchener. Um, been helping her out with yard work, kind of doing the yard chores because she works in insurance and she can still work from home. So I'm kind of trying to do some of that stuff, uh, you know, still keeping up with working out um, is always a great way to, you know, get up and do something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, other than that, a lot of Xbox, to be honest. <laughs> what, what are you playing? Uh, Call of Duty for sure. Oh, yeah. Are uh, you in the war zone? Uh, just recently, just recently started getting into it. I was, uh, big on, uh, you know, holding my stance against it, but yeah, I, I, started, I moved, I moved toward it as everyone started to move over that way. So yeah, it, it's a good time killer for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's, let's jump into it. We'll start with, um, an easy one, but an important one, uh, in your college career at UNC, you wore 45, uh, you're a graduate of the Hill Academy and. There is a long tradition of guys from the Hill wearing 45 for a very, very special reason. Um, what was your reason for donning 45, and how much does it mean to you? You know, it, you know wearing 45, obviously, if you come from the Hill, it, it means a lot. Um, you know, we are kind of, you know, trained in, to, like – treat that number with so much respect like every week at, pra- at practice the best player at practice at that week of practice gets to wear 45 on friday and stuff like that and but um mainly it's 
the, yes, the, the real reason, everyone, like the big significance around 45 is uh, Jameson uh, Kuhlman, who um, passed away. Mm-hmm. And But I wasn't there with him. However, it's all about how he embodied the like perfect athlete almost, you know, the way he really put everything into, uh, you know, getting better each and every day on and off the floor. So, you know, that's kind of where the meaning behind the number comes from for me, what, what the number means and what he meant, uh, made that number mean. And how special was it when you got to wear it in your college career, knowing that Jameson couldn't? Um, you know, it, it's an honor. It's an honor anytime you get to put on that number, uh, especially in my head. And um, actually, there was another guy on the team that was coming in with me who uh, was up to pick his number before me. And uh, he uh, asked for 45. And actually, Coach Metzbauer at the time said, you know, it's kind of a thing for Hill players. And we do have Chris mm-hmm. coming in. So would it be okay if he wore it? So it's like kind of cool that it's kind of known already. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You know, uh, at a lot of different schools, at like high-end schools especially, and right. that's just solely because of the hill and all the players that have come from there wearing that number. A lot of guys have come through the hill and, and are making names for themselves at all levels of lacrosse, but a lot of guys from the Kitchener-Waterloo area have made some big names for themselves. What was it like growing up in, in Kitchener as a young kid? Um, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of cool to, to look look above uh, myself and, you know, the, before myself and see who all came. It's kind of cool to see, like, you know, all those Braves that went on to have such successful career. But, you know, like the era that I grew up, like, looking up to was, like, Ryan Banesh, Andrew Watt, the Tinnings, um, those guys, Mm -hmm. um, like, that age. But, yeah, no, it's cool being able to, you know, look back and see, uh, you know, a bunch of great players, you know, Mike Poole and Aaron Wilson you know, Jamie Rooney isn't from Kitchener, but, you know, around here and has played for Kitchener teams. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's cool. It, it was never, it, it's never really gotten the, the um, accolades of being a senior lacrosse town, but it is a pretty darn good junior lacrosse town, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And even the, the Kodiaks had talent on the team always. That's right, yeah. Never seemed to work out. You know, guys always getting traded away before. Yeah. You know, if everyone, if everyone who ever went through the Kodiaks when they were in Kitchener stayed there, then they would have, you know, team rival that rivals the Peterborough and Six Nations of today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you grew up uh, best friends with Brendan Bomber. How was that? Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he's still one of my good best buddies. Um, we actually became really close. We always grew up playing against each other, obviously. But I uh, became really close uh, at the hill. We actually lived together. Nice. But, yeah, it's it's cool, uh, you know, growing up and, you know, being that close with someone who's, you know, just as equally as talented as you are and, you know, growing up and doing the same sort of thing and try, trying to, you know, travel the same sort of route. And it's kind of cool to be able to do it with each other and kind of bounce ideas and, you know, what works, what doesn't for each other. Else. And it's kind of cool to grow with someone, him and, 
actually our other good buddy in that friend group who's doing the same thing is James Barclay. So, oh, nice. Yeah. Was there any talk of either one of you trying to convince the other to go to school with you? Like, did you try to get him to go to UNC? Did he try to get you oh, to go yeah. to Q's? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, always. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. happening? He wasn't going to go down south? No. He, he in truth be told, he really loved Denver. Oh, really? Um, yeah, but he had uh, his son, Jagger, uh, after okay. that first year, and he wanted to be uh, closer to home for, okay. you know, to have a to yeah. make it easier after that. How did you get to UNC? What was the what was the path for you? Who was the contact? Yeah, kind of a crazy path for me. Um, just kind of went to the hill in my grade twelve year, and then went to a recruiting tournament called the Great Lakes Tournament. It's in Oshawa, mm-hmm. and uh, UNC was there, and I had a good tournament. And they called me that night and said it's too late. Like your class for next year is already full, but if you wanted to uh, take a PG year, you know, we'd love to have you. Right. And so I thought about it. And then once I toured the campus and my contact, the coach who reached out to me was Pat Myers. He's no longer there. Yeah. Yeah, He wasn't even there when I got there. Funny enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then I once I toured the campus, it was like a no-brainer. It's like, yeah. you have to sign me up. I'll, I'll take that <laughs> year. Um, is the Duke-UNC a rivalry in all sports down there? It is. It it really is. Um, for lacrosse, it's just like a little bit different. Like, yeah, it's still a rivalry. Um, still a big game. Get most like the most fans for the Duke game. However, yeah. like our team will look at the Notre Dame game as more of a rivalry. Really? Just because, like, there's more, like, actual tension between the teams, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. the North Carolina thing is just more of a North Carolina-Duke thing. Right, right. Where it's, like, just, like, location, whereas North Carolina, there's, like, some deep-rooted, like, hate in between the teams. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. How wild is Coach Bresci? Because I saw some of those videos that were being posted when you guys were going on that run. That guy is a trip. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's colorful, man. He's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's funny. You know, he can he can be up up with the best of us, and you know, and when it's time, he can be one scary scary guy yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, he was great the whole time. You know, um, I didn't come home for the American Thanksgivings because that's only like a three day vacation so he would always offer to have me at his house for thanksgiving dinner and stuff with his family stuff like that those are the experiences in college that that people don't really talk about where coaches or other players invite you into their homes being canadians that that can't get back home and when you get to go spend those moments with players or coaches and, and spend those holidays there's always a special time one you never forget right and you know coach brush is one of those guys where He's uh, he would he would do that for anyone on any guy on the team too you know if anyone needs a place to stay. Twenty sixteen, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Twenty sixteen, um, everyone remembers the championship goal, but take us through the nine goal game against Loyola. Was that just one of those games where the net was as big as you could possibly imagine? Yeah, and one of those games where like I don't know, I just found myself catching the ball like in 
in a position where I can make two, three steps and have an open shot. I don't know. I just find myself open a lot that game and things just were going and the ball just kept coming to me. So it was like, I caught, I caught like a groove and just kind of didn't really stop. (laughs) (laughs) Those are the perfect games where the game slows down, but like you said, the ball just keeps coming to you. It's not like it's set plays or anything. The ball just keeps coming to you. And you just know it's going in anytime you release it. Right, exactly. Like you're just feeling it, feeling good. Then you get to the championship game against Maryland. Um, what was the play that was called, or were you guys in a bit of a freestyle offense for that game winner? No, so there was a play called. I forget to who it was originally for, but um, it, it that shot wasn't open, so it was broken, and we were passing the ball around. And the one pass that uh, tags Michael Taylor skipped across to me is one that we've done in practice in games. Just like once the play's done and scatter, like that's a skip pass that is normally open. Yeah. And it was open, and the, the defender was uh, sloughed in far enough that I could catch and step into it and shoot off the hip. And goalie did didn't know, really couldn't really see it. Did you know it was in when it left your stick? No. No, <laughs> no, If you, even if you were to go look back when they like show an angle, but like from right behind me, there's like not much space like to where he almost got it with his leg. <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, what, when it happened, is it, is it a blank? Is it a blur? Do you remember the celebration? Um, yeah. So I originally just threw my hands up because I thought it was a big goal. Yeah. But not realizing it was overtime. Yeah, I well, no, I, th- I didn't think it was sudden death. Sudden death I thought it was yeah, going to yeah, yeah. still go on. <laughs> but then I look over and saw, like, my whole team leaving the bench, and I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when you guys get back to campus after winning that, is it just an unreal scene? Yeah, well, it was it was, like, crazy because, well, one, we had a charter flight, so we could oh, get on and – and get on after the game and fly back. And unfortunately, when you're talking lacrosse, it's after the school year's over. So most people have gone home from campus. Um, but the girls actually won that year too. And they live right. on the same street as we do. Like there's like a whole lacrosse street, like where every house is just either guys lacrosse house or girls lacrosse house. Yeah. And so it's just like a huge, like, Big block celebration after. Yep. Cool. That'd be wicked, man. Yeah, how cool would awesome. it be? Uh, how cool would it be to to win a championship in Buffalo? It'd be unbelievable. You know, it's it's crazy because like there's not too many places in the world that you could say would be a great spot to have to win a national championship because of like the following, like just because of the following and whatever. Yeah. Buffalo has an amazing fan base that would be an unbelievable place that like would know what a championship meant and stuff like that. When you were a, a Kitchener guy, were you more a Bandits guy or a Rock guy? Yeah, I actually never went to a Rock game as a kid. Really? Yeah. Just because it was the other way? Um, sort of like no, the opposite end of you know, there, it, it actually works out. Like if there's traffic, it works out. They're pretty close to the same drive. Right. But I always knew like my coaches growing up were Andrew Watt, who played for the uh, Bandits at that time. Right, right. Um, 
played with Dane Smith in junior, grew up with Drake Smith. Um, Billy D. Smith was on the band. So, like, we just always went and, like, just to support the people we knew sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So let's start with once you get out of college, you get to the wings. Um, When I was being drafted and all that was the place I wanted to go just because I knew how storied that franchise was. What was it like being drafted by Philadelphia? It was cool. Yeah. Um, You know, um, it was really cool, especially because, like, they treated me really well um, when I got there. And uh, Philly's obviously an unreal sports town. Yeah. So it's cool to be there. It's a cool city to be in. And they moved me out there, so that was cool too. Paul Day said that fitness and fit were the reasons that they eventually moved on from you. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yes and no. I'd yeah. say fitness fitness wasn't there. Um, that's fair. Yeah, I've, I've been there. <laughs> that was yeah. that was my big Achilles heel when I got in the league was just yeah. making that adjustment of now I got to be a pro and I got to do it all the time and I'm not on a schedule like I am in college. I got to do it on my own. That's a tough jump. Yeah, and I was just coming off a MCL tear that from right. that summer beforehand in uh, MLL. Um, but uh, I also wasn't eating right. I've and then obviously that that was a big like wake up for me. I got mm-hmm. to Buffalo and knew exactly what it was I had to do and had a great bunch of guys around me to help me out and push me to do what I had to do to, you know, get in better shape. And I'm still not there. I'm still working towards that. But, you know, um, I'm definitely doing a lot better. How important is it knowing guys within that organization? Like I said, you've known some people. There's guys around you that you have familiarity with. But now that you're living in Buffalo, how tight is that group of you, Dane, Mickey, Bernsey? Like, how tight does that group really become? Oh, it's incredible. Like, we hang out every single day. We do pretty much everything together. You know, none of us, like, we all just walk into each other's apartments. Like, but mainly we're doing everything together. We're working out together. We're working together. We're, you know, going through everyday grind together and it brings you closer together. And we're also just really good friends on the side of that, which, yeah, you know, helps with us living there too. And it makes you that much stronger on the floor. Exactly. Which one of those guys would make the best TikTok star? Best what? TikTok star. TikTok star, I'd have to go with uh, probably Burnsy. Yeah. Are we ever going to get him on there, you think? He's got one. He's oh. not making his own. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to get him on there. I just made my first one. I saw it. Yeah, your old man, like, sparked the fire behind you. Oh, yeah. Had to go Had to go big on the first one. You know, if you're going to do it, you got to do it right. <laughs> um, favorite ride at Canada's Wonderland? Favorite ride? It's not the behemoth. It's the new behemoth. Oh. La- Leviathan or something like that. Yeah, Leviathan. Uh, obviously like, a giant like a, roller coaster. Yeah, it's a big one. You, is it one of those ones where you're uh, seated or are you hanging? No, you're seated. It's it's just like the behemoth where you just like, uh, just like a little plastic thing comes down on just over your, your groin right. area. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's like where the first drop, you're not even on your seat. You're thinking you're going to fly out, <laughs> yeah. and you're good after that. How many times have you been to Canada's Wonderland in your life, do you think? Surprisingly, not as much as you think. Probably say like 13 times. More than me. Also, live out there. Yeah, but still more than me. <laughs> the Hill Academy is also on the same street. Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. no wonder. Okay. So, oh. That makes sense. Um, you had an eight point night against Rochester, uh, this past season, four and four, um, another one of those nights where you're just in that groove. Um, yeah, you know, that was a, that was a, like a, that was a tough game too. That was a battle. Um, I went into overtime. Yeah. And you guys were down a few. Yeah, we were down, but, um, no, that was another night where that's, that's the thing, like, you don't really feel any pressure when you when you play for a team like Buffalo because, like, yes, there's always pressure, but you feel less pressure because on any given night you got a guy like Dane who can go four and four. You got yeah. a guy like Josh who can go off for seven like he did against uh, Colorado. Yeah, we didn't want to talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> right, sorry. Yeah. Uh, sorry, it happens, it happens. It happens. But, um... You know, and it takes – so on any given night, like, the defense can't really key on anyone. Yeah. But uh, on that night, you know, it happened to be a good night for me that things were going my way. And uh, tried my first ever dunk. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Logan Chirpy online about them, about your vertical. Oh, yeah, because he's one who should be uh, chirping <laughs> right? me. <laughs> um, on vertical. Yeah. What's it like having like uh, what's it like having JT as a coach? Because like you said, you, you were a guy that came down and watched Buffalo quite a bit, and yeah. you would have seen him a lot as a kid growing up. And now he's your head coach and one of the greatest of all time. What's that like? Yeah. So when you have a coach like that, it's something special. Um, I kind of had the similar situation in the summer with the Outlaws with. John Grant Jr. as my coach there, but with JT, it's like you know what he's done, you know how good he is, and you know when when you have like a history like he does, it just demands respect right away. No one on the floor is going to question anything he says ever. Yeah, because he's just you know got the background to prove it. It's like how can you disagree with anything Mm -hmm. or like you know have an issue with anything he's saying, sort of thing. You've uh, you've played in Banditland. You've played down in UNC. You've played MLL and PLL. What's the best lacrosse atmosphere you've ever been in? The national championship, for sure. Hands hands down. Not even thinking about it. Just straight up. Hands down. I that I don't think that will ever be beat ever. Paint the picture for me. Well, you you grow up as a kid playing in front of maybe everyone's parents as a lacrosse player, even in junior, no fans, no fans. And then all of a sudden you're in a football stadium with 30, 30,000 plus fans packed the lower bowl. You can't hear yourself think it's crazy. Once you step out there, you get goosebumps for warmups and all that. I got goosebumps right now talking. About it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, how many uh, were your family in the crowd for that game? Yeah, so I had my mom, my dad, and my sister drove down. And then I've got a group of, like, five friends from home that 
have been my friends like since we were little kids growing all the way up awesome. and I didn't know they were even coming and they had driven through the night to uh, oh surprise God. me. So that was cool. That is awesome. That is really awesome, man. Uh, a couple more random ones here for you. Uh, I read on the UNC website that you sleep with your eyes open. I don't sleep with my eyes open. Sometimes if I'm like extremely tired, yeah. one eye, one eye will be slightly open. And like my eye will be my, and you'll just see white because my eye will be like I'll be sleeping and my yeah. eye will be in the back of my head. But <laughs> yeah, uh, who's uh who's the best road roommate you've ever had? Best road roommate I've ever had would have to be. Westberg's a pretty good one. Ah, nice. When were you with him? With the Outlaws? Yeah, with the Outlaws. Yeah. Finally, uh, worst plane seat partner. Worst plane seat partner, Doug Buckin. Oh, takes up double armrests? Yeah, he's just massive and I'm massive. <laughs> yeah, and right. On our la- actually, it was our last trip from Halifax here. Right beside each other, just no room on the longest flight of the year. <laughs> Buddy, this has been uh, a pleasure catching up. Uh, you got some great stories and a heck of a career already behind you, uh, and lots more to come. Stay safe, stay healthy, and hopefully, we'll see you on the floor soon, brother. Thanks, appreciate it. That's Chris Cluche of the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, yeah, when you got a couple of big lads sitting next to each other on an airplane, Never, ever easy. And I'm not the biggest guy. And I struggle to figure out who's going to take control of the armrests on a plane. So I would imagine that Klooch and Buck probably square off in the aisles to figure out who can get the most armrests. Appreciate Klooch hopping on. Uh, Some great stories about Coach Bresci. Um, If you remember back on their title run, just watching him come into the locker room. I think he was doing the dab with the backwards hat on. Um, Just, you love to play for those types of coaches who aren't too cool for the moment. They allow themselves to enjoy it, to embrace it, and just to let loose a little bit. And Coach Brescia was a fantastic leader for that UNC Tar Heels group. Uh, Go back and watch uh, the highlights from that Loyola game early on in the tournament where Chris scores nine goals. He scores so many different types of goals from the outside to the inside, cutting through the middle, beating defenders, ripping rope. He scores an absolutely beauty bounce shot uh, in that game against Loyola. And then, of course, the championship game against Maryland. You know, when you talk to players who score those big moment goals, and we had Niner on the show last week talking about the goal 20 years ago against Rochester. And... The moment happens so quick that you don't always remember that exact moment. You only remember, you know, the before and after, you know, catching that skip pass and then realizing the game was over. You don't remember how you shot it, where you shot it, if your eyes were closed or open. But those are the moments that lacrosse players live for. And that is one of those moments that Chris will never, ever forget. His teammates will never forget. Those that were in the stands will never forget. His buddies who drove overnight to be there will never forget it. And 
when you can have memories like that in your databank, when you can sit back and and reminisce about that moment in 20, 30 years from now uh, with family, friends, and, and maybe kids, uh, it'll always bring a smile to his face and maybe a tear to his eye uh, when he looks back at that moment because it was a very, very special one. I also like the story about the respect of the 45 that players from the Hill have for it and how that number is becoming synonymous with Hill players and teammates are letting them wear that number because of the specialness of it. I think it's a tremendous tribute to Jameson. I hope it continues. I hope the the Hill continues their traditions with it. I'm sure they'll never stop, but I hope that number continues to thrive throughout NCAA colleges um, and players that wear that number because it truly is a special, special moment and tribute to a great player who's unfortunately was unable to continue his lacrosse career. That'll about do it for this episode of the Off the Crossbar podcast in 20 and 20. Thanks to Chris Cloutier. And thanks to you for tuning in and listening as always. Hopefully next time we talk, there'll be some more lacrosse news and we can continue to brighten our spirits. But until then, stay safe, get outside, enjoy the weather. And you know what? As we start to relax some of our rules, let's not go overboard. Let's not all of a sudden be doing massive groups. Let's stay safe. Let's keep ourselves at proper distance. And let's continue to put an end to the 19th. You can follow me on Twitter at OffTheCrossBar. Email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. And until we speak again, be excellent to each other. Don't try